Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who would have over 300 hours of his life back if he didn't do this podcast. <laughs> My Spider-Man reading friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I'm feeling good, and it's so funny. I have so many opportunities to read what you're going to say at the beginning, and yet I never do that. So uh, I am very excited to have done 300 hours of podcasting. That That is that is the published amount of hours, right, James B.? Well, I didn't actually say that. It says you would have over 300 <laughs> hours of his life back because what the listeners ah. don't realize is to make a 29-minute episode doesn't take us 29 minutes. You're leaving out several hours of nonsense that I have to talk to when we're trying Well, you to... have to read the book. <laughs> you have to type the summary. Oh, that's true. Okay. You have to do the show. There's editing. I'm just saying you could... And this is a what if. Like, what if you never did this podcast? Think of all the things you could be accomplishing. Ah, uh, yes. But, you know, if we never did this podcast, Eddie, we wouldn't be meeting some amazing people out there. Uh, yes, we are bulking up on guests tonight. Uh, welcome back, Dana and Ian. We are interdimensionally thrilled to have you join us in our alternate what if reality. Uh, Dana, why don't you tell us how you're doing, followed by Ian. Hey, everyone. I can't think of a better way to spend my Monday night than reading these two issues with all of you today. <laughs> Could be your best joke of the evening, Dana. Thank you. Ian, how are you doing? I mean, I'm doing great. I have school to look forward to next Wednesday. I'm pretty excited. All right. Well. Oh, wait. Are we, is this the official complaint-a-thon? Because... No, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, okay. He's actually. Oh, excited. I meant that sincerely too. Oh, oh yeah. sorry. I, 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 I misread the room here. This is what happens when you get too snarky, James B. You just <laughs> interpret I'm... everything as. Snarky. It might be my clone speaking, so you never know. Well, I was thinking, what if they really don't want to be here, or what if they would rather be at school? And uh, speaking of what if. From December of 1976, What If number 24 from Volume 1, What If Gwen Stacy Had Lived, written by Tony Isabella, art by Gil Kane and Frank Iacoya. Ah, the Watcher is here, and he takes us back to the day Gwen died, but instead of shooting his web to stop Gwen Stacy's unconscious fall off to the George Washington Bridge, Spider-Man dives after her. He catches her, uh, but he can't quite stop them from falling into the water. The goblin, seeing this, thinks he's killed Spider-Man and flies off, while Peter uh, swings Gwen over the docks and revives her. She awakes to see Peter in costume, minus his mask. He tells Gwen he's Spider-Man, what really happened to her dad, and proposes to her. Uh, here it is. This is good news. I'm so happy for Peter. Yeah, I loved seeing this wedding because that's what they go to next eddie uh it's the only wedding i've read about recently well okay that's not true i read about <laughs> betty and ned but that was a a terrible wedding where <laughs> villains were robbing them and you know uh so this was a much better wedding at least in the beginning um or will be uh dana i'm seeing peter parker marrying gwen and it's weird to me do you think peter parker's true love is gwen stacy or is it really mary jane watson well, on one hand, as a reader, I enjoy reading the comics when Peter Parker is happy and not so misanthropic all the time. I personally like seeing Spider-Man in a relationship with someone other than being alone because these young women usually bring out, you know, 
the better attributes of him and he's just more interesting to me with company and both Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy are such beautiful and sophisticated young women and I can see how Gwen and Peter hit it off right away in college they have a similar interest in science and it's easy for them it would be easy for uh, them to fall in love yes and there's an interview I saw recently with Stanley where he speaks about Jerry Conway the writer and Roy Thomas who was uh the editor at that time, yep. um, yeah. claiming that Peter and Gwen's relationship was almost too perfect. And yeah. as a writer, Jerry Conway proposed that Gwen should die. And he was at a young age at the time of writing this issue. And he thought that the reader would be bored and that there was nothing for the two of them to learn from and to grow with each other. Wow. Whereas Mary Jane is the perfect foil for Peter because they had to learn to love each other and they like kind of teased her in the beginning. The reader had to wait for almost like a, a year or two real time to right. even reveal her. And, you know, <laughs> she's interested in acting and music, like which is a stark contrast to sciencey things. And um, I think that like Gwen Stacy's death, like really um, changed something in Peter Parker and you could argue that he would be a completely different superhero if Gwen had not died. Yes. Agreed. Well, thank you, Dana. Um, the Goblin, meanwhile, is still on the loose and emboldened by his victory, declares he's running all the rackets at a crime boss's meeting. Unfortunately, Spidey shows up and Norman, terrified of Spider-Man's resilience to death, <laughs> slips off and deposits an envelope exposing Spidey into the mailbox uh, to Spider-Man's greatest adversary. I did not correctly guess while reading this book who the letter was sent to. Ian, did you figure it out? Or who did you think the letter was going to? I mean, it could have been anyone. He doesn't necessarily have a greatest adversary because he fights a lot of people all the time. But I kind of felt like it was Kingpin or something like that. I thought it was going to be Doc Ock, so... I did not guess it either, but the listeners don't know who it is yet, Eddie, so keep reading. Well, Spidey eventually finds Norman talking to Harry at his residence, and they battle. Norman nearly detonates a bomb that would have killed all three of them, but is struck by his son defending him from Spider-Man. Uh, Norman reverts to his un-Green Goblin-like nature, and Spidey leaves the father and son to sport, sort things out. Sometime later, it's Gwen and Peter's wedding day. All is going well until J. Jonah Jameson bursts in with police to arrest Peter Parker. Uh, he's forced to flee, and Joe Robbie sh serves J. Jonah his resignation with a backhand to his face. So, Eddie, do you think Joe Robbie is overreacting? Because I feel like it is up to J. Jonah Jameson to, like, tell everybody the news and the criminals and have them brought to justice. You know, I thought about this also. It's very hard. Can you imagine having the one of the best days of your life ruined and turned into one of the worst days of your life? It, it, he is just so petulant about it, I guess, is what's so terrible. Like, he could have had Peter arrested before his wedding day, and that would have been much nicer. I, I think Joe Robbie's reaction is fine. Uh, You're also, uh, you know, I disagree here real quick. You don't know when he got the letter. It wasn't like he was like waiting for this moment. It he might have just gotten the letter and now he was just breaking it up. So, hmm. uh, you know, he I, was. It is his job. 
I get, you know, that's possible, but I think his hate for Spider-Man overcomes everything about him. And he waited to make this as painful as possible for Spider-Man and Peter Parker, you know? Yeah. Well, all right, we'll do the epilogue. Okay. Uh, in the epilogue, Peter's standing on a roof, disgruntled by his lack of options. The police are hounding him, and throngs of people are outside his apartment. Uh, he says, what will be his decision? Uh, only time will tell, uh, the watcher proposes at the end. So there's not a lot of Gwen Stacy in this issue, ironically. Um, she seems to get over Peter being Spider-Man almost too quickly, I thought. I really wanted to see more of how Peter and Gwen Stacy's life would have been together. Eddie, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting that both you and James B. were fixated on how they were getting married. And I was like thrilled that Peter got to tell someone that he's Spider-Man. I mean, imagine the incredible weight that's been lifted off his shoulders. He's been keeping this secret for who knows? Well, I guess we don't. We could sit and calculate it if we needed to. But it just it must have felt unbelievable to tell someone you're Spider-Man because this opens up all these possibilities of talking through all of these terrible problems he's constantly bombarded by. So, uh, yeah, I, it was really disappointing. It's like Gwen appears in 25 panels, but she does very little. She's unconscious for a lot of them. Yeah. Well, people know he's Spider-Man. There's, you can talk to Harry Osborn. You can talk to Norman Osborn. You can talk to Miles <laughs> Warren. Lots of people know he's Spider-Man. So not that big a deal. I guess so, but these these are not people he's going to talk to about being Spider-Man, whereas Gwen is, you know, on his side, so. All right, well, we got two what-ifs. Let's do them both, and then we can come back and talk about the finer points of disagreeing on these issues of <laughs> things that sort of don't happen in the 616, but sort of happen in other timelines that we're going to have to deal with later, but... Back when these were being written, these were just considered what-ifs. And the other one we're going to talk about today is from December of 1977. What if number 30, volume one, in What If Spider-Man's Clone Survived? Written by Bill Flanagan, art by Rich Buckler, Jim Mooney, and Pablo Marcus. Uh, once again, The Watcher takes us back to The Amazing Spider-Man number 148 and 149 when the Jackal uh, has created a Spider-Man clone. Um, let me interrupt right here, Eddie, uh, as we're talking about our friend Miles Warren, who I just spoke about. Ian, do you think that Professor Warren knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man when he was taking the sample? I mean, he knows at the end because he put the clone in a costume. When do you think he figures out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? Well, I feel like he definitely didn't know while Peter was in his class because then that would have made it really awkward. I feel like when the clone was finally made... Like, something in the DNA was off after mm. Peter was bit by the spider. Hmm. Hey, what do you think, Eddie? Uh, it, it's an interesting uh, thought. I mean, out of all the freshmen, I think he took samples. He, it says they took samples only from Gwen and Peter. Uh, but to to get Spider-Man as one of your samples is very suspicious. I I, I got to say that. He had an inkling in, in some regard. I mean, he well, has been his professor for a while. I have another question about this, but I'll uh, I'll save it for Dana in a little while. So, Eddie, why don't you go ahead and keep moving with our what-if story? Sure. We return to the scene from Amazing Spider-Man 148 and 149 where clone Spider-Man and original Spider-Man are locked in battle uh, when the smaller of the pair emerges victorious. 
After defeating a Spider-Clone and escaping the Jackal's explosion, Spider-Man takes the clone back to Professor Warren's and plops him into a cryo-chamber to figure out what he should do with him. He heads home only to find his home abandoned, and through a series of encounters at Aunt May's, the Bugle, and Professor Warren's lab, he realizes he is the clone. Now, I want to tell the listeners, this is a book from 1980, did I say? So we're in 1980. Okay, guys, there is no Ben Riley yet. So if you're listening to this and you're like, why do they keep saying the clone? This is a what if. <laughs> it's it's a clone, right? That's that's just what it is here. Okay. All right. That being said, Eddie, um, the clone goes through page after page of clues of, oh. hmm, maybe I'm you know, not figuring this out. I admit the very first clue I didn't pick up on, okay? Yes. But by the second panel, when the clone's like, hey, you know, I, I can't remember anything since I got my, <laughs> since I was sitting in class yesterday or something. Did you find this frustrating? Yeah, it's super obnoxious. Here we could be doing this wonderful thought experiment and we're stuck with pages of figuring out he's the clone, all right? We already know that, so... I don't know. Ian, uh, when did you know he was the clone? I mean, it took me a while because I wouldn't. Hmm. Okay. He went to find Aunt May and found her at Anna Watson's house. I wasn't super surprised because I feel like she does that a lot anyway. She does just randomly move in with I Anna see. Watson. Hmm. I, I did notice once he forgot where he lived, though. All right. So, so maybe. <laughs> Maybe, Eddie, you and I are being too hard because maybe it's being written, you know, by Bill Flanagan for a 13-year-old and they might take a few pages where two people who are doing a Spider-Man podcast might pick up on this a little quicker. So, uh, speaking of clones, uh, Dana. That's true. I think everyone would agree it's unethical for Professor Warren to be cloning Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker, or, you know, most people without permission. Why do you think... With his knowledge of cloning, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take samples from students instead of all the other practical science-y things he could have been doing. I would agree with you, James B., except my genetics professor did the exact same thing to our class. He didn't clone us, but he took samples from us. So there wow. is a lab module in undergraduate genetics where the technicians take like a cheek swab from the entire class to determine whether we could taste... PTC paper, which is phenylthiocarbamide paper that's supposed to take, taste bitter for some people and like normal for other people, to, um, and I quote, genotype human generic polymorphism. So there is a wow. sample in a lab somewhere wow. of my DNA. So if you or any of the <laughs> listeners see me walking around that has no knowledge of Marvel or Spider-Man, that is my clone. <laughs> wow science runs wild well um as spidey grapples with his alternate existence he is accosted by a flying vacuum cleaner uh it's kind of more like a bird with a gun he proceeds to battle with the kingpin who's operating this vehicle um a faux freshman spider-man clone would not have met him yet so he has trouble uh, he flees, but the kingpin tells the coward to meet him that night on Coney Island to battle again. Oh, so frustrating that the <laughs> Spider-Man clone is like three years younger and everybody's like, well, you lost some weight or you look weak. Nobody's like, you're three years younger. I mean, oh my gosh, how can they not notice? Uh, another lazy plot point is having this clone 
encounter a villain they wouldn't have met before. But I mean, I did appreciate it, but I, I think it was a little lazy writing. Uh, you know what I appreciated as a recently reacquainted Midwesterner, I appreciate Peter always having a squig of milk from the carton when he gets home. Uh, Dana James B. Uh, only drinks water. So if you had a choice of coffee, tea, or milk, what would it be, Dana? I'm a tea drinker. I gravitate toward, towards teas. Um, yes. I particularly enjoy the aroma and astringency of teas. Eddie, you and I talked about my Red Rose tea collection that I have go. and the figurines. Yes. <laughs> um, today, I'm not drinking tea. I am drinking a nice heaping cup of Ovaltine. <laughs> what about Ovaltine you, Ian is, uh... and James V? Would you like to join? Would you care to join me and Eddie at Aunt May and Anna Watson's house for an afternoon tea? What do you say? Well... I only drink water, so uh, if she wants to give me hot water, I can deal with hot water. That's it. Ian, are you in? You good? Or are you going to have some Ovaltine? I am definitely not a tea guy. Are you going to bring your Ovaltine in a thermos and be like, that's okay, man. I brought my own Ovaltine. Uh, (laughs) Ian's not not drinking Ovaltine. Ian is drinking Sprite. I just finished a can of root beer. All right. Excellent. (laughs) Well, everyone, uh, Peter is distraught and goes to the cryogenically frozen Spider-Man original to kill him, but instead releases him. The clutter, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the scientific term of a group of spiders. Uh, The clutter of Spider-Man decide to team up against Kingpin. Uh, Foe Peter dons a suit and original Spider-Man swings him to Coney Island. Once there, the Kingpin takes Peter prisoner while he attacks Spider-Man. Thinking he has a hostage for protection, the Kingpin recklessly battles, only to find that Peter Parker is a remarkably powerful young man. The uh, pair of Spider-Men mop up the gangsters and head home. It appears they will part ways, but decide to take turns saving the world and going to study uh, by living happily ever after together. (laughs) This is where I thought this book would begin. I'm ready to see what the multi Spider-Men do. Anyone else thoughts on this? What if I keep bringing up the same Netflix show that the title is something like what, what happened to Monday or whatever happened to Monday. Yes. Have you all seen this? I've heard like about this all the time. It. <laughs> yeah. It's just a bunch of clones living together. And each day of the week, one of them goes out and one day, one of them disappears. It's like they each, like I'm the person only on, and one of them is only available on Mondays. So I'm fine with this plan of the Spider-Men uh, working together. That's fine. What would you do if you saw your other self just like around town? And I didn't know there was an other self of me. Yeah, you had no prior knowledge well, of that. I that would be quite shocking. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what I would do. I would be very excited because I'm an only <laughs> child. So I just want to. I'd love to see anybody who could possibly be related to me again. That'd be great. I mean, I've always wanted a brother. I don't know if I would want me as a brother, but Ian, I would not want you as a brother, and I'm an only child. <laughs> oh my well speaking of things that might be unwanted james b is there a sponsor for this episode wow you're calling you're calling out the sponsor there is a sponsor for this episode 
<laughs> it's a sponsor we've had before, Eddie. It was one that you did not approve of the first time. Hopefully you feel better this oh, time. Well, I'm sure I'm sure I'll approve it this Eddie, time. Eddie, when it comes to cloning, Clones R Us has been inspired by Anthony oh, Serba God. and has been operating for over 25 years. There are many reasons for choosing to have cloning done. If someone shoots your favorite pigeon and you want him back. If you need one clone to stay and help kill Raven while the other can return to the correct time period. If you need to be in Canada, having dinner with a hot blonde stranger, while also in the United States, having a boring dinner with your significant other at the same time. Or if you want to be up at your cabin, helping your mom build an outhouse, while also being at home, being a great dad. So Eddie, are you ready this time to get into some cloning at Clones R Us? James B, I just, this led me down a really dark and disturbing path last time. I really would prefer to have a different sponsor, one that we could say is more ethical. <laughs> like, I think any supervillain does a little better than the cloning well, company here. Listen, we were talking about ethical, but Eddie, one of our guests just revealed that there are cloned <laughs> samples of her being taken at a, at a major academic institution it was no big deal and here you are freaking out when i'm giving you an opportunity yeah. to be with your daughter and be with your mom which i think is just a great gift let me ask our guests how they feel ian why would you like to be using clones r us let's hear it well i'm going into eighth grade next year and i am going to have a lot of homework and mm -hmm. band i i'm gonna have a lot going on it would be nice to have one me go to the band concert and play there mm. awesomely, I'm going to say. And then one person stays at home and does homework. And that, Ian, wow. the fact that you appreciate music and learning, unlike some of our <laughs> participants in this podcast who don't appreciate music and learning, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Dana, what about you? Um, so, yeah, like you said, I probably have a clone, um, but I think Closer Us would be a better... Um, candidate for me mm -hmm. um, uh -huh. to explore that route just so I can be two places at once. And if it's a younger clone, then I could not make the same mistakes, you know? Oh, yeah, wow. maybe, maybe your clone is making these incredible scientific achievements, and all you got to do is just go kill your clones so you can take their place. Maybe. This is such a terrible spot. You're the one who makes yeah. it You're the one who makes it dark. <laughs> kill your clones? You terrible. Know, you know, Eddie, I'd like to lighten the mood, and Ian and Dana were two of the people who showed up for our, our Let's Read Spider-Man con, and we got to see them in person and uh, play some games with them and had a Zoom call, and it was nice. And I think you had a game you wanted to try today with them. Uh, I have come up with a trivia game, but this is a trivia game uh, which is about Let's Read Spider-Man episodes. So these are questions which are related to what James B. and I say and some of our guests on uh, the mm. show. Uh, are you guys interested in playing? Yeah. Yeah, let's play. In episode 104, Sarah Pessel is on the show, and she says Spider-Man's favorite food is a hot dog. Uh, why, Ian, is this Spider-Man's favorite food? Is it because he can swing and carry it at the same time? Because it won't hurt his ulcer in his stomach? Or because Aunt May likes to give... Peter Parker hot dogs and it makes me him think of her. It's it's probably because it's easier to hold. It, it's a nice it's a nice shape. Dana, do you agree or disagree? 
Um, okay, well, I don't think Aunt May would approve of his eating of hot dogs because it's not nutritional. <laughs> like a wheat cake. <laughs> Good thing we have the real data. So agree or disagree that it's easy to swing and carry? Oh, I agree. Okay. That is correct. It, it is because he can swing and carry it at the same time. So eating and swinging around town. Of course, you understand that is correctly. We're identifying what Sarah Pezzle said. That's right. That's what we all agreed to <laughs> okay. on the episode. All right. Hi, Sarah, if you're listening. <laughs> um, also from episode 104, uh, there's a sponsor and it involves Janet Foswell, who's the big man's daughter, and Nick Lewis, the crime master's son. Can anyone remember what the Let's Read Spider-Man sponsor is on that episode? Is it the Underworld Taxi Service, Revenge University, or Children of Criminals Counseling? Dana? I think it's the Revenge University. Agree or disagree, Ian? Oh, I completely agree. It was a great sponsor. <laughs> I actually... I'm enrolled there next semester. I was going to say, so. Eddie, I have, I have enrollments for Dana and Ian right here, so they are correct. Well, so, okay, so since you are heading there, um, we were very clear, James, was very clear that it would be good for my children to be friends with a certain major at Revenge University, uh, explosives expert, the hitman major, or the cloning consultant? Ian. I think it was the hitman major. Dana, do you agree or disagree? That's a tough one, because I think they're all majors at that university, but yeah, I think you specifically discussed the hitman major, and that they would be great classmates and colleagues to have. And I also told them, in addition to hitman, that uh, women's studies was also uh, another good choice. But yes, great job. Um, from episode 105, uh, what distinguishing feature does Sarah Pezzel point out of the beggar in the alley? This is, this is before we know it's Doc Ock. Does she say... Uh, he looks like Doc Ock because of his bulbous torso, his glasses, or his square jaw. Ian. I believe it's his torso. Dana. I'm going to say his glasses. Ooh, I'm not even. This is a tough one. <laughs> to be I, honest, uh... I thought she said trench coat. Yeah. I thought so too, I, actually. Yeah. I think she. I think she might have said it's his square jaw. You can see his glasses, but I think she might have said square jaw. I am pretty confident that she said it is his square jaw, although she does mention the trench coat. But Mm. notes that the square jaw is what the defining characteristic Mm. of Doc Ock is as a, you know, beggar. Well, as a super fan that she is, because I would never have thought that. But uh, I know we're having a lot of fun with our trivia, but we need to wrap things up here. Uh, Ian, when you're a little older and you have a Twitter, please let us know and we will get you all kinds of cool followers. Uh, but if people want to reach out to you, Dana, how can they find you? You can always find me at A Future Movie. And Eddie, how can people find us? You can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And again, if you have something to say to Ian, we'll be glad to pass that along. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B. Joined by... Eddie. And Dana. And Ian. And remember, listeners. If you find yourself in an alternate reality where your girlfriend lives and you get cloned, don't let J. Jonah Jameson find out. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.
episode 107, since this is fresh in everyone's mind. What character do I mistakenly think is robbed by the paranoid drunk Doc Ock? Um, is it Gwen Stacy, Jay Jonah, or Ned Leeds? Dana. Well, you resent Ned Leeds, so I'm going to say Ned Leeds. Ian, do you agree or disagree? I agree. James B. says that because of your hatred of Ned Leeds, you thought it was him. You see, I would be remiss if it's not Ned you Leeds. You see him in your nightmares everywhere you go. <laughs> I don't like that guy. <laughs> He's irritating. We know. He's just an irritating guy. And he hardly has done anything, and that's kind of why he's irritating, too. Oh, wait wait about 140 <laughs> issues, and you'll have a real reason. Okay? All right, good. Well, premonition. I just have a premonition. Well, also, from episode 107, uh, who does James B. say that Eddie should name his son after? Is it uh, Slimy Slim, Whitey Whistler, or Weasel Jack? Ian. Whitey Whistler. Dana. I'm going to say Montana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. 